0: Well, maybe some know, but maybe others don't. Uh, We don't record the first service. And so I was a little harsh with them because they did not clap. And I go, you know, this is for the Lord. This isn't about entertainment. You know, this isn't about us picking what song we want to participate in or deciding what songs we like because we're singing to him. We're offering praises, the sacrifice of praise to our lips. You guys are not going to be yelled at. You're just going to get, I'm, I'm going to advise you because half of you did pretty good. i still looking around though out of the corner of my eye, you know, because I'm a man of flesh. Arms folded. You can't make me clap. I'll clap when I want to. Hey, that's between you and the Lord. But if we have a sermon about repentance and revival like we do today, and you can't even clap. It's like, I think you're not starting off on the right foot. And then the people at home are like, well, I'm sitting here at home. How, you clap too you could probably actually keep rhythm because you're by yourself. <laughs> but it says a lot. It says a lot when we come to the fellowship and we already start off with, a, well, I'll take what I take, I'll do what I do, and I'll just, I'll decide what I want to participate in and what I don't. And that is not how we want to be entering into the gates of the Lord with thanksgiving. Well, we are in the book of Joel. We, we left off in chapter 2, verse 11, and we're going to start off in verse 12 start with a little introduction and then we'll ask the lord to sanctify the study and be present and lead us two weeks ago we talked about the pride of life we talked about entering life as if god owes us like he has to explain himself to us last week we talked about the day of the lord we talked about the tribulation and god's judgment his righteousness but this week we're going to talk about repentance and restoration we're going to talk about making the u-turn making a change Going to one direction, and then heading in the opposite direction. So let's ask the Lord to lead us through His Spirit and through His Word this morning, and then we're going to start in verse 12. Lord, have your way in us, Lord. Pop the hood, roll up your sleeves, and and work in us, and change us, and mold us more into your image, Lord. We pray that you would speak to us through your Word, and you would empower your Word through your Spirit. We pray that you would guide and direct us. And that you would equip us to go into the world and share this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's read verse 12 through 17, chapter 2. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Surrender your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. Slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing babes, let the bridegroom go out from his chamber. And the bride from her dressing room. For seventeen, let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, "Spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach, that the nations should rule over them." Why should they have? Why should they say among the peoples, "Where is their God?" I once had a friend when I was um, I given my life to the Lord, and I lived in the West Coast in California. And this friend of mine was a single mom. She had just given her life to the Lord. She had several kids, and she was going to drop them off at my house. I was going to watch them uh, with Megan, and um, she was going to go to work. But if you, if you don't know much about the California coast, there's cliffs there. The coast isn't long and, and sandy like it is here. And when you drove up to my house, they have these crazy things. They're called hills. They're called, it's in a valley, and there's mountains around it. So when you drove up to my house... There was a road where it would be a ravine on one side and a hillside on another. And when you drove up this road, there's a big yellow sign. And it has a picture of a car driving up a windy road and rocks falling on it. Well, it's just a warning that, you know, rocks can come down. But when she saw that sign, she said, nope, turned right around and drove the long way all the way around to get to my house. See, she was wise in that she was able to see the warning signs and realize, I'm not going this way. I'm going a different direction. Now, to me, that seems silly. I went that way at least twice a day every day. You go to the store, you go down that mountain, you go home, you come back up that mountain. And I say mountain only to low country people because the people that maybe know where I live are like, I have a mountain, what are you talking about? Still, there are many warning signs in our lives. And we ignore a lot of them. If you are one of the maybe select few here that still smokes on every single one of the packs, it tells you how you're going to die. It tells you that that stuff's going to kill you. But well, you're like, ah, you know, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. And we just continue to ignore the warning sign time and time and time again. We need to be able to be wise enough to turn around to repent, and that. Is what's being called here. Remember in the book of Joel here, 800 B.C., around that time frame, the locusts have come, they've eaten the vine, they've eaten the grass, they've eaten all of the food for the livestock, the vineyards, they're all gone. There's nothing. And we know from Deuteronomy that this was a direct judgment from God on the nation of Israel. It said there, we looked at the verse, that the swarming locusts were coming. And now was the time to repent. We looked at the judgment of God. In the previous section but now it's time to turn to repent it says there in verse 12 now therefore says the lord turn to me with all your heart it is unfortunate today that repentance is not mentioned with the gospel very often we know about god giving his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish that he loves the world he didn't come to judge the world he came to save the world. But the central theme of the Lord's message of the gospel is to repent, to turn from our ways, to turn from the things of this world. If you don't believe me, let's look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. And from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Time for a U-turn. A repentance doesn't mean I keep going in a direction and then everything will be fine. It's not seeing the warning signs and thinking, well, I'll risk it. Repenting means to turn around like my friend did. Well, did you know there was an earthquake in California? I know, shocking. Earthquake in California, and guess what? A car was going up that hill, and a rock came down and hit the car. It was just a matter of time. The warning sign was there. And we are beginning to see those things in our personal lives, in the church itself, and in the United States of America. We're going to talk about those things. But what does the Lord want us to do? He wants us to turn away from death and destruction. He wants us to turn away from a perishing world and return to Him. It says, turn to me with all your heart turn to the lord turn away from yourself you know you go to the mirror and you see yourself and you're like man I, I really need to shave off a few pounds or stand up a little bit straighter I, I need to do better with my anxiety i need to do better with my finances i need to do better in this world i need to find a partner and our decisions are based on us but the lord says turn to me turn away from yourself turn away from the world repent And turn, with our whole heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. It is unfortunate that many people believe that repenting to God means that, you know, I'm going to get away with my bad habits so I can be healthier, wealthier, have more joy, have more comfort. Remember here, the judgment of God had come, and all of the food is gone. They have no idea what to do next. And they're not looking for a bailout plan. They're not looking what tax rebates they're going to get. They're not looking about an economic stimulus plan. The plan here is to turn to God with their whole heart, to repent with fasting. That says that when you're repenting, that means that looking and seeking after God is more important than eating. It's more important than my next meal. Now, in the nation of Israel here, they're going to be fasting not because they want to, but because there's no food with weeping well we would say well you know if you turn to the Lord you're going to have joy yeah but you can also have mourning have you you ever lost a loved one that's close to you uncontrollable grief I remember I was driving and my mom called me four times in a row she does not do that I pulled over and that's when she told me that my brother had died and you know it's a everybody knows you know I'm not an emotional person I'm not a sensitive person you know it's a joke in my house that we don't cry but it's also important that my kids understand that when I received that news I was crying uncontrollably to hear that that news that is grief that is mourning do we feel that way about our country and the state that it's in about ourselves do we have uncontrollable grief and weeping to the point that we can't eat because this world has turned away from God. We are to repent and turn to Him and say, Oh, the way that I'm living, the things that I'm doing, reaping what I sow, this judgment in the nation of Israel became from their bad decisions. They decided to worship false idols. They decided not to fall out to the Lord. They weren't keeping the feast days. They weren't keeping the the year of Jubilee. And the Lord told them back in Deuteronomy, the warning sign was there. Moses had told them, when you go into the land, don't worship false idols. Seek after the Lord. Keep the the law. And just like you read that cancer label, just like you see that boulder sign, well, look, I got away with it this time. I'll get away with it again. I could just keep living the way that I am. God's a loving God. He's just going to let me keep getting away with it. No, we're to rip our garments. Is that what it says? No. It says, rend your heart. You see, in the Old Testament time period, and even into the New Testament, there are no manufacturing plants spitting out cheap clothes that you can get at Goodwill. Every single garment is hand woven, handmade, and the absolute majority of people would only have one pair of clothes. There's no going into your wardrobe. So when you were in a time of mourning or fasting and you ripped your clothes, that was all your money. That was all of your prestige. That was all of who you are. But it was an outward sign. And the Lord says, save it. Stow it away. I want your heart. Heart. You see, that as we sow, that shall we also reap. But you may think to yourself, well, Mike, you know, you're kind of Old Testament today. I know we're in the book of Joel. But we live in the age of grace. Yes, we do. But it says in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, Jesus speaking to his churches, he says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. What does it mean to be zealous? Zealous means that nothing else matters. You don't think about anything else. You are a single-track mind. We see people that are zealous for making money. They're zealous for a lady or a man. They're zealous for relationships, or they're zealous for a sports team. That one friend that thinks they're actually on the team, zealous. We're to be zealous for God. We're to be zealous for His Word. We're to weep, to mourn for a world that is rejecting Him and realize that we have the balance of God's righteousness and his mercy and his love that's found perfectly in Jesus Christ. Jesus says to repent. He is coming back in judgment. We've seen that in the last chapter. We see this balance that he is a righteous God. And when we sin and when we choose to make these choices, we need to realize that God is not mocked. That as you sow, that shall you also reap. If you have a terrible diet and you eat whatever you want to eat and you're overweight and you're out of shape and you get to the doctor and they tell you you've got to have open heart surgery because all of your arteries are clogged, is that God's judgment? Or is he allowing you to reap what you sow? Well, then you're going to repent and you're going to turn and going to be like, I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to have green salad. I'm going to go on a smoothie diet. I'm going to change my ways. Maybe you do, and maybe you don't. It doesn't mean that you pray, Oh, Lord, make me thin tomorrow, or you are not a loving God. No, God is not mocked. And He loves those that He chastens, and He'll allow you to do that. If You smoke cigarettes your whole life, and then you decide to quit, and two years later you're you're told that you have lung cancer and it's terminal. It doesn't mean that God hates you. But we're going to go deeper than this. We're not going to just talk about habits. We're going to talk about the very essence of who you are. There are many people that deal with trauma or abuse, many people that feel like they're just an anxious person or they're just an angry person. You can't change me, that's just who I am. But the Lord is telling us we can repent, He can change us, He can make us new. We dedicate our hearts to him. We seek after him zealously. It says here in the scripture, return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful. He is just and he is merciful. Here's the good news. No matter where you are today, no matter what problem you bring with you, no matter where you are, whether it's a spiritual problem, an emotional problem, a mental problem, a physical problem, whether it's abuse or trauma, whether it's a habit or or the sins of the flesh, whatever it is that you're bringing, whatever whirlwind you are reaping, His mercies are new every day, and you can turn to Him. Every breath that He gives us is a a breath that we can give back to Him. Every heartbeat that He gives us is a heart that can be turned to God. Every thought, every movement, every portion of our life can be a blessing and an opportunity to repent, to turn down the mountain to turn away from destruction, to say, Lord, that way is destruction and death and heartache, and I'm going to follow you above everything else. You remember what it says in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Israel was to choose God and live Or turn to the world and die. That was the instructions there in Deuteronomy if you've been with us on Wednesday nights. And they often chose the world over and over and over again. And yet the Lord would send deliverers and judges and prophets and eventually his own son. Because it's the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. We make the mistake of thinking that this is about being healthier, wealthier, more comfortable, peace of mind, and we look at the things that are going on in the world, and I'm just like you. I just want to fit in. I want to do my job. I don't want to upset people. You know, I don't want to go out there and cause a big ruckus. I just want to come and hang out with you guys and read and study the Bible. That's what I want to do. But what did it say here in this portion of Scripture? They were to call a fast and an assembly. They were to meet in the temple. They were to meet together and to repent and to mourn because their nation had turned away from God. And they were to weep over it, to mourn, like I mourned over my loved one. Do we have the same heart? Or is our heart for, I'm coming to see God. I hope He makes me happy today. I hope He gives me joy today. I hope He makes me a little more comfortable That's not the gospel. We are to choose the Lord, be zealous for him, to seek after him regardless of the consequences. And here we are, 2,800 years later, and the command is still the same, to repent, to choose righteousness, to follow the Lord, to be zealous for him. His ways are life and peace, justice. Eternal life with him in the heavens where we will rule and reign with him when he restores this world. Unfortunately, some of us may be thinking, yeah, but not yet. Not yet. Let me let me keep going down this path a little bit farther. No. Well, now in verses 18 through 24, it says, then the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied by them. I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations, but I will remove far from you the northern army, and I will drive him away into the barren and desolate land with his face toward the eastern sea and his back toward the western sea. His stench will come up and his foul odor will arise will rise because he has done monstrous things. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. Do not be afraid, you beasts of the field, for the open pastures are springing up, and the tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and the vineyard steal their strength. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floor shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. You know, when we repent to God, we turn to him, there's nothing to fear. And there's this is so beautiful. If you put yourself eight hundred BC, the fields are gone, the vineyards are gone, the trees have been stripped, there's nothing, there's no economic hope. There, there's no way forward, there's no stimulus. There's no national debt that they can even go after. I mean, they're broken. And the Bible says through the prophet Joel, come, repent, turn to God, weep, mourn. And then there's these promises. I mean, they're beautiful. Fear not, O Lord, verse 21. The Lord has done marvelous things. Do not be afraid, you beasts of the field, for the open pastures are springing up. That doesn't mean anything to us, 21st century. What Joel is saying is, hey, Look out in the fields. I know there's no grass, but they're starting to sprout. It says the tree is bearing its fruit. They could see the tree had been completely stripped of all vegetation, and it's starting to bud. It's starting to grow back. The vineyards, the same thing. It says in verse 23, for he has given you former rain faithfully. He's saying, hey, every year it rains, and God continues to bless. Now, the nation of Israel, I should say Judah, even though it's Israel in general. But the tribe of Judah here, the southern kingdom, they're going to repent. They're going to have a 40-year godly reign of King Joash. Very soon after Joel's prophecy, this seven-year-old king is going to be a righteous king. They're going to choose God, and they're going to have a revival. And they are going to have good times again. The vats are going to be full. The harvests are going to come in. They are going to make wine. They are going to get the vineyards back. The tree and the fruits of the tree are going to come back. But we're going to flip this around because I'm going to say some challenging things here. Spiritually speaking and historically speaking, I am not a prophet or a son of a prophet. I can simply read the signs and read my Bible and read history. We are living in America on the coattails of our forefathers who prayed and repented and had revivals they established this nation in righteousness on biblical values. They went through tremendous warfare and famines and pestilences and depression. And we have been living off that fat, off that harvest, off that oil. Well, I'm not talking about oil that comes from the ground. I'm talking about the oil from the vine. And they struggled. And our time is fading fast. We took prayer out of school. We took the Ten Commandments down. We started taking away any reference to God to the point where recently they were stating in the press that one of our chief justices needed to recuse herself because she's a Christian. And because she's a Christian, she can no longer make sound judgments on spiritual matters. That would be an abomination in in generations past. And we have this glorious message here in the scripture we need to repent as as a nation as individuals the church in large because just like i'm just like the church itself like hey just let me fit just let me worship on sunday just leave me alone you guys can do whatever crazy things you want here in joel and the nation of israel they're called to repent and to mourn and to weep over that direction and to turn a new way listen the warning signs are there i'm not a prophet if these things come to pass it's because I can read the, hand, the writing on the wall, like the Bible says. I can read the sign. But what do we do about it? We start with ourselves. We turn to God. Turn to me, he says. Rend your heart and not your garments. L- these things should bother us. But we're saying nothing. Now, I want you to think, and we're going to take this one level deeper. When we go into the kingdom of God, which we will, And we talk often about, oh, when I see this patriarch and I see this person, I'm going to meet Moses, I'm going to meet Jesus. What are you going to do when you see George Washington face-to-face, when you see John Adams face-to-face? And you say, well, I didn't vote because it wasn't worth anything. It didn't mean anything. I, I can only imagine. When he looks at you and says, my brothers died for this right. In England, they said that our vote didn't matter. We starved to death. We froze to death. We lost our families. We lost our businesses. We dedicated our lives for this freedom. We say, well, you know, they they did all those things for taxation without representation. You know, they, they wanted, no, that was like way down on the list. They wanted to be able to own a Bible that didn't have to have the stamp of the King of England on it. They wanted to have the right to go to church and not have the country tell them what church they had to go to. And yet, we sit here in the 21st century, oh, you know, what, oh, it's no big deal, whatever. I remember growing up in the 90s, I know, dating myself. It was great. We didn't have to worry about getting nuked like some of y'all. There was no more Cold War. Biggest drama out there was the president playing the saxophone. I had a car. I had one of those first, you know, I was like 17 years old, I got my first cell phone. Click, click, click. it folded open. Now I know, I know some of you are like, self I to be back in back of my day. Yeah, come down, calm down. <laughs> Those were our problems. I remember driving my Ford Festiva down to church, you know, giving my life to the Lord. It was great. Great. I have to worry about the world telling my son that he can be a woman. I have to worry about my daughter being taught that homosexuality is not only is it not bad. It is a good thing. It should be encouraged, and how dare you even say anything negative about it. I have to worry about violence. I have to worry about economics. I have to worry about all these things being impressed on my kids while I sit here and I say, well, you know, the Lord's coming soon. What are we going to do about it? My hope is that this nation, like our fathers past, will have such a great awakening, a great revival, That when the Lord returns, there's hardly anybody here. The pessimist will say, oh, we're going to be so far gone in the economics. We're not mentioned in the tribulation because we're just going to be so weak by that time. No, I'm an optimist on this one. Because we have the same call for repentance that happened in our country in the 1700s, the 1800s, the early 1900s, the 1960s. There's been multiple great awakenings in this nation, and it starts with us repenting ourselves. And assembling together and realizing that we should be weeping and mourning for the direction that this government, this world is going in. And we should preach the gospel. And we need to be zealous in our love for him. They did it in times past. They fought wars. They went through famines. They went through depressions, sicknesses, a civil war. All for us to say, well, you know, you know vote. I'll vote if I want to. Yeah, no big deal. One day we will have to stand before our forefathers who were followers of Christ and make an account for what we did with their nation. See, I wanted to be crystal clear before we go into verses 25 through 27 that Jesus, he is not weak. You know, we oftentimes think that Satan is winning we often think that somehow the lord is weak and then the bible tells us that he has single-handedly put every president king despot dictator on the planet he put them there some of them he put in judgment and some of them he put in blessings you can decide which one it is which one you think it is but there's nothing happening under his rule that he hasn't allowed to happen remember god is not mocked that as you sow that shall you also reap so what are we going to do about it? Repent, for his mercies are new every day. We're going to seek after God. Now, I was talking nationally, and, but we started off on the personal level. Do you think that God is weak with your problem? The anxiety, the history, your trauma, your abuse, the things that God has done are allowed to happen in your life, I should say. Sometimes it was just reaping what you sow. Sometimes it was your father, your mother. Your, your, your surroundings, terrible things happen to you. And you come to God and you say, well, this is just the way I am. You're going to have to deal with it. He can deal with the deep things. And that leads us to verses 25 through 27. Some of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Let's read them together. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust, My great army, which I sent among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. I like what it says in the King James Version. It's a little bit more powerful. The Lord can restore what the canker worm has eaten seems way more destructive than the chewing locust. The chewing locust, I feel like I'm going to call terminex. The canker worm, I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're going to be destroyed. Those things that you think are not fixable, those things that you think are impossible, God's not done. He's not weak. We choose him. We we follow him because we can repent, and he can build back up the marriage. He can build back up the impossible. I failed to share a story earlier. I had a brother that I was serving with, a spiritual brother. He had given his life to the Lord. He was serving in the ministry. One time we were at a men's conference. He was crying uncontrollably. I go, that's not like him. What's going on? He had to confess that years earlier. He had committed adultery. And he had to go home. He had to tell. He had to confess. I'm not keeping that to myself. What happened? God miraculously restored. No. He lost his wife. They, they were divorced. He lost his status. He lost the ministry. Because we believe sometimes, you know, restoring what the canker worm is eaten, we think, oh, he's going to bring us back fivefold. <coughs> he's going to take away all the consequences. No. No, the nation of Israel here is still starting over from scratch. They still have to wait till the next harvest. They're still reaping the whirlwind. But he, th- what we're really speaking of is, The Lord will restore you. It is far better to lose your marriage, lose your home, lose your business, lose your health, lose all those things that the world has to offer and be restored in the presence of God. It is far better that the Lord is well pleased with you and lose all the things that you think are important and please Him than it is to disappoint Him and have all those things, and look good for the people, look good for us. Now He can restore the inward. He can restore your heart, your mind, your soul. Those things that you think are not touchable, those things that you think are not fixable, your anger, your anxiety, your depression, your nervousness, gluttony, your addictions. He can do miracles. He can do more than you can think. And it's not a matter of being a quote-unquote better person. It's about repentance and pleasing God. And then he can restore in you and make you a new person. And the, the prophet Hosea says something similar in chapter six verse one. He says, "Come let us return to the Lord, for He has torn, but He will heal us. He has stricken, but He will bind us. He can restore what the canker worm has eaten, that which is impossible repentance comes with restoration but it's not always the way that we think in restoration we're talking about something different But for the new testament as we seek and follow after god you are going to go through some trials and some trauma you're going to be persecuted you're going to be abused you're going to also reap what you sow you're going to make bad choices and bad decisions but he will never leave you nor forsake you And the encouragement is found in 1 Peter chapter 5 when it says, But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You see that word dominion? That means he's in control of all things all the time. You see, many people, they know you are to come as you are, but they think you're to stay as you are. No, you come as you are. He changes you, he strengthens you, he establishes you, perfects you, makes you completed is a better translation. And then you go into the world and you share this glory. You share this grace with others, and then they too are changed. And you come in here with your arms closed. You come in here, I'll clap when I want to clap. I'll sing when I want to sing. I'll be encouraged when I want to be encouraged. I'll listen to the scripture and apply it if I feel like it. I want my best life now. I want to be healthy, wealthy, prosperous. I want to be happy. I want to be entertained. And the whole time, the Lord just wants repentance. He wants your heart. He wants to work in you. And he wants you to be a new person, better, pleasing in his sight. His son did not die for us. us to simply have a get out of jail free card his son died for us so that we can be born again a new creation made righteous and he's restoring the nation of israel here as we go back to the the present joel they're starting to see the harvest but they got a long time coming and when we flip to the 21st century we see yes we've been living off the coattails of our ancestors here in this country, and we need to repent, but better times are yet to come for all those who seek after him. For all things work together for the good for those that love him. And he can restore what the canker worm has eaten. He can have a revival in this nation, in your home, in your heart, in this church. But remember the beginning of this section, this chapter. That, but we need to rend our hearts, not our garments. We need to truly repent and change our direction. Just like my friend, remember? Saw that sign? Nope. Not going to hit me with a rock. Not today, Satan. Drives around. Meanwhile, I'm as ambivious as ever. Oblivious. Just driving up and down that road. I mean, I got, I've been through that road a thousand times. One time, one person went up that road, had an earthquake, and got hit by a giant boulder. But the Lord can restore what the cankerworm worm has eaten. Now, it's not even there. Like, Joel has been speaking now to his nation about their repentance and their future blessing. And we've been applying it to ourselves. But Joel now is going to switch to the future, which is our present. And we're going to talk about that. But in verses 28 through 32, it says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and I will show wonders in the heaven and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Now, you Bible students, you're already thinking, I've heard this before. Yes, you have. Calm down. Don't don't spoil the ending for everyone. I want you to know this was written in 800 B.C.-ish. 830 years later, in Acts chapter 2, something happens. See, Joel is saying that, yes, our harvest being good, Our nation being strong and seeking after God, that's a great thing. But in the future, in the future, men and women will prophesy. In the future, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is completely foreign to their understanding. In the Old Testament, only a select few were prophets. Even rarer still, would you have a woman that was filled with the Spirit? You would have unique individuals. But Joel is prophesying that in the future the Messiah would come in Jerusalem where he'll rule and reign and his spirit will fall. And men and women both can prophesy and that Gentiles can be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord means all. When Jesus died on the cross, he rose from the grave. But the veil, the temple was torn and we have access to God the Father. And after the Lord ascended into heaven, Peter and the disciples and apostles were together praying. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak his own language. That was 800 years earlier prophesied. And now it was going to come to pass. And we have 2,000 years since that time. And the day of the Lord, did you guys catch it? You guys catch Those of you that caught it, you've been listening the last few weeks. We talked about the day of the Lord last week. In verse 31, here in this chapter, it says, Before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. What's the day and awesome day of the Lord? The tribulation which is coming. But Peter, the spirit is moving. The day of Pentecost has come. And now he's going to speak. And what does he say? Let's see if this found familiar. Let's read Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 21. It says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. That's right. Now he's going to quote. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. That I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall turn be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you've read that portion of scripture, thousands of people repent and are saved. Thousands hear this message 800 years later. And thousands of all tribes and all tongues are getting saved. A revival. A great awakening. I pray for a great awakening in each and every one of our hearts. Because we are filled with the Holy Spirit, all who call upon the name of the Lord. He didn't save us and fill us with the Spirit and make us new so we can have our best life now. Although he did come that we can have joy, abundant joy. But joy is the fruit of the Spirit, not the goal of the Spirit. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit, not the goal of the Spirit. We're sanctified, we're changed, we're made new. And now 2,000 years later, this message is still the same. We're to be filled with the Spirit to go into the world and preach the gospel. Because this world is perishing. But we're not defeatists. We're praying for that last great awakening. Just as Joel warned, just as Peter warned, the day of the Lord is coming. Yeah, 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 that won't happen. Y'all, the warning signs are there. They didn't, the government don't spend that money to put that sign up there just for funsies. They put it up there because they knew one day a car was going to get hit. No, 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 no. We've been living like this forever. It'll be fine. No. No. Sooner or later, that as you sow, that shall you also reap. Not just with prophecy, but even in your own life. You keep reaping the whirlwind. You keep playing with sin. One day it's going to buy you. How many of you, and the world is really good at pushing this out there, know of mighty men of God that were serving the Lord and fell? because they put on a good show let's be honest the whole world looked to them and said look at these people they're amazing look at this guy he's he's on fire for the lord but his prayer closet was empty he wasn't spending personal time with the lord he wasn't being sanctified you cannot walk closely with jesus and fall as epically as some of these guys have it was all a lie the canker worm nobody saw it but god knew we need to have revival in our own hearts. Because just having an image of being spiritual is not real. It's not real and it's not authentic and God is not pleased. But if we seek after him with our whole heart, if we rend our hearts, if we turn direction and we weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice, if we do what the Lord, what is pleasing to the Lord and not to man, then nothing can stop us. And you will see miracles. Not these fake miracles now. Not these charade miracles. I mean, people will come in here from a pagan lifestyle. They'll come in here and you'll think they can't even be saved. And God will completely transform their lives. They'll be completely new. They'll get married. They'll have children. They'll raise godly families. I know because I was one of them. And many of you were too. And God will continue to perform these miracles. Let's seek after him zealously lord we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy we thank you that it's your goodness that leads us to repentance i am worried for many of us who will reap what we have sown those things of the flesh but we also know lord that you can have great restorations we pray that you would have your way in us that you would do that work that we would no longer be chained by our own lies our own deceits by our own habits by our quote-unquote self-identification, who we think we are, Lord, but that you would change us, give us new hearts, new lives that are well-pleasing in you, and that you would have a revival in this church and in these people, Lord, and that as we would have an effect on this world as we're filled with your Spirit, we pray that you would come quickly and have your will accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're available to pray with you. There are brothers and sisters up here If you don't know the Lord, please come on up, introduce him to you. God bless you and have a wonderful week.